I am a father to, I am a father to three children, some grandchildren, and plenty of other spiritual children. Some of them are in this room. I got some amazing relationships in this room. I've been around for a little bit, and I can look through this room, and I've, I've married someone, baptized someone, disciple someone, screamed at someone, rebuked someone, corrected someone, right? Like, like I've had this whole gamut of experiences. I have a son who has um, answered my prayer about patience, right? Like you pray for patience, and then God puts people that are impatient in your life. Um, be careful what you pray for. But... Um, I have a son who, you know, you give him chores. If you have children, listen, the reason you have children is so that they can do chores. Okay? Right? That's just a secret you learned today. But I give my son this particular chore. We have this huge humidifier in the house that uh, cleanses the air and stuff like that. You know, it gets hot in Florida. And so, that, you know, so we want to clear the air. And this thing has a little red dot that goes off to let you know that you have to take care of it. Right? So I, I tell him to... You know, I speak to him and I tell him, hey, Pop, you know, you need to take care of this. And he's like, yeah, I got it. You know, yeah, I'll take care of it, Dad. Now, I got to tell you that time goes on and that red dot is still beeping. It, it, it goes through the house. It's beeping and he's not responding to it. And, and I've come to the conclusion that my son does acknowledge me. He, he does consider what I said, but he doesn't do it. I'm going to say that again because I think it's not, it's not only my son. <laughs> I think there's a bunch of people in this room that you've been told something, you nod your head, you say, I got it, and you never do it. But we're going to look today in the scriptures and it talks about this whole thing about listening to God, acknowledging what he says, and doing it. You see, we cannot be only hearers of God's word. We have to be doers also. The big issue around for a bunch of us is trusting God, forgiving others, and loving the unlovable. That's a journey for all of us. <laughs> I'm still on it, <laughs> you know? But, but you have to understand that something happens when we honor God with what he says. And, and in the Bible, in the 11th chapter of Hebrew, there is this wall of faith of men and women that make the cut. They wind up being documented in the Bible in a way because they did something extraordinary. And guys, you sit here and you're listening to me and you can't raise your hand, you can't ask questions, but on Monday, you can drill me. You can ask me anything you want because on Monday is a Bible study and people do. You can ask me anything you want because I don't want you to be confused. I don't want you to have this, you know, you know, uh, fuzziness about what I'm saying. I'm going to try to break it down as best as I possibly can because I realize that there's a mixture of people in this room. So there are terms that I might use that you may not understand and I'll try to explain them. But at the end of the day, you have to understand this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. That's how our faith is developed. Right? It's developed by hearing and hearing the word of God. And that begins to do something inside of you as it did inside of me. When I first started coming around, I sat in the back of the church. And when the preacher said, bow your heads to pray, that was my cue to leave. Okay? Don't try it because I locked the doors already. Okay? No one's leaving today. All right? 
So with that said, I want us to be able to stand. I want to read just a short scripture. It's found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. We stand to honor God. We believe that God's word is above everything. So when God speaks, we want to be able to listen and be attentive to it. And it says this. I'm reading from the, if you see NKJV, that's just a, a Bible. It's a New King James Version. And it says this. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. You may be seated. Some of you have heard the story of Noah and the ark and the little animals that made their way in to that ark. But there's a greater significance to it and I want to be able to somehow share with you today. First of all, you have to know who Noah was. And we're going to read from Genesis chapter 6, verse 8 through 9. By the way, in your bulletin, there is a handout that you have. Hopefully it's in there. Praise God. Wave it at me if you don't have one. The ushers will attentively give you one. You should have something to write with and something. I don't care what you write with. Mascara, blood. No, not blood. <laughs> Mascara is good. <laughs> okay, not blood. <laughs> okay, so I want to show you why Noah made this cut. This wall of fame, this memorial that we read, if you read the whole chapter, you're going to see men like Abraham, you're going to see Noah, you're going to see David, you're going to see all these guys who somehow made this memorial that we get a chance to read and look at their lives to see why it is that these guys are, are, are being noted, are being spoken about even to this day. Now, I'm going to encourage you not to use movies for your theology. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beg you not to watch Noah with Russell Crowe and think that's what it was, okay? It's important for us to understand that we watch the Ten Commandments and realize, is this the way it happened? And we have to be mindful of anything, right, that we watch on TV, right? So with that said, it says this, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air. For I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. How do we go from Genesis chapter 1 in which God created and said everything it was good and then chap five chapters later and in chapter 6 he's like yo I had it up to here with these people. Like I'm done. Like everything they've done from the moment that I told him to do this, you remember the Garden of Eden, right? He, he said, don't eat from that tree. See? God's told you the same thing. Don't go there. Cut her loose. Cut him loose. Don't do that. Yet, we do. 
And so Noah, it says that he was perfect. Now that word scares me a lot because I know I'm not perfect and everybody in this room is not perfect. If you are, see me later because I want your recipe and your formula to making you perfect, right? But here he says, when it says perfect, the Greek translation is not perfect, it just means whole. It means whole, that, that he had it going on in his mind and his heart. He was centered on God in the midst of a perverse time and wickedness. Like people decided from the day that, that one brother slain the other brother and, and it just went on and on and on and it compiled and in five chapters, that's all it takes for God to say, I'm done, I'm gonna do away with this. And he looks and it's Noah that's sitting there and Noah now has this charge that he's given. And in the midst of this chaos, in the midst of this wickedness, as change is happening, there's something that happens as God looks at Noah. There's a sense of blameless. There's a sense of integrity. Everybody knows what integrity is, right? Doing the right thing for the right reasons, right? Like, like being above board, right? The, the pencil you took from work is not yours. I, I know that there's extra supplies and you realize that you want to take something home, but you didn't buy it. That is stealing? He's like, oh, pastor, come on now, it's just a pencil. It starts with a pencil. <laughs> Trust me, with me, it started with a candy bar. And then I was climbing through people's window. It, 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 that's how it is. It progresses. So, so we see here something that's really significant because it says he walked with God. Now, in Amos, which is an Old Testament prophet, chapter 3, verse 3, it says this. Can two walk together unless they agree? Like, you know that. Like, I, I got a little kid at home that doesn't want to bathe. And we got to drag them to jump. These little boys do that. They don't want to bathe. They don't think they're dirty. They, they smell, yeah, I'm okay, right? Read about the grime building up on their bodies, right? But you literally, he doesn't agree with what I'm about to do, which is to get him in the bathtub. So what does he do? Checks. Once I got him, he's dragging. So it's important to understand that the reason that he was found blameless and that he walked with God is because he agreed with what God was saying. He agreed with what God was saying. Now, oftentimes, again, listen to me, you don't agree with what God is saying because it's going to cost you something and you feel uncomfortable about it. Like this whole idea, and I, and I harp on this because I realize that the world needs forgiveness that we need to forgive one another, that we need to walk in this, in this way in which, you know, what has happened has happened. And we just did this whole series on, you know, grudge and, and forgiving and, and putting ourselves in the position of the person that, that, that needs forgiveness and understanding that you and I have been forgiven. Like you've been forgiven for what you did yesterday. You've been forgiven for the fight you had on your way here with your spouse, and I'm not pointing any fingers. But think about it. We have been forgiven, so who are we to withhold forgiveness? You're saying, oh, pastor, you don't understand what they did to me. Of course. Of course I understand, because it's been done to me too. But I know what unforgiveness does to me. It poisons me. It, it, it takes my mind to places that I don't want to go, because I think that you got to pay me back for what you did. And that doesn't solve anything, does it? We go tit for tat. You hit me, I hit you. You pull me, I pull you, right? And if you grew up in a Puerto Rican home, they tell you, if they hit you, you hit them harder. Right? Find something to hit them with. Kind of stuff. But Noah is given this thing and he agrees with God. And there's a moment that God enters into a covenant, and that's an agreement with Noah to bless him. 
But, but what he has to be able to do is he has to be able to obey what God is telling him. God gives him this charge to build this ark because it's going to rain. Now, if any of you, you can't even phantom the ark, and I couldn't, right? I'm reading the word of God, but I can't put together what 120 cubits is, 50 cubits is this way. And I had the privilege of, of the, the state of Kentucky, um, which is, I think, one of, the, one of the foremost Christian stakes that we have as well. They got this grant and they built an ark according to specifications of the Bible. Now, if you've ever been there, you have to go. It's a trip you should take with your family. It's beautiful. And when you roll up on this ark, you would realize how big this thing is. The compartments and the rooms that it has in it. It took us a whole day to go through it. To pause at every level. Because we don't get a picture of it, right? Like somebody tells us something and we don't get a picture of what it looks like. So I encourage you to be that. But he took 120 years to build this. 120 years. God said, I need you to build this ark because I'm tired with these people. I'm going to release this rain. And that's what he did. He built the ark and he preached this message. It's the shortest message I ever heard. It's going to rain. <laughs> build the ark. It's going to rain. And everybody is laughing at him. Because he's using all his resources, all his time. He's committed to those two things. Letting people know it's going to rain. Letting people know that this is about to happen. And building this ark. 120 years. God gives him specific instructions. He enters into this covenant. And he has to be obedient. Obedient to what God tells him. Now, for the sake of what we'll be talking about today, I want to give you a definition of obedience. And obedience is this, is doing what God says, when he says to do it, how he says to do it. That's it. Nothing, nothing more, nothing less. Don't complicate it. Don't move here. Don't move there. Because at the end of the day, this is all it is. It's doing what God says, when he says to do it, how he says to do it. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 to 3, it says this. Deuteronomy is the book of the law. Moses speaks to his people as they transition out of slavery. He's now building these people that he's got to give them instructions about what their life should look like. Because at the end of the day, when I first came to Christ 30 years ago, like I brought a lot of the world into church. Like, like I thought it was cool to do this and to do that and to act this way. And, you know, I had people, mentors who came around me and said, hey, Papa, you can't do that here. And I was like, well, what do you mean you can't do that here, right? Because I walked in with this attitude, right? I didn't submit to authority. I, I wasn't obedient. I got to do what I wanted, when I wanted, how I wanted, and I didn't care about you. Now, now, this is the work of God. What you're seeing in me is the work of God, the continued work of God, the progressive sanctification of transforming a person who didn't care to a person who loves. And, and that's huge for me. Right? So, so, so in Deuteronomy, he says this. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today that the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the earth and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you 
because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. In other words, no matter where you go, you're going to be blessed if you listen to what God has to say. Right now, this is important because God has chosen to bless obedience. Now, if you're a parent, one kid listens to you, one kid doesn't listen to you. Who do you give the allowance to? Mm. Do we reward those who disobey? I'm thinking about it. It's not a trick question. Everybody's looking at me. Oh, he's going to get me. He's going to get me. (laughs) No, I want you to consider this for a moment because God has chosen to bless obedience. That's what he's chosen to do. If you obey him, it says here, no matter where you go, I'm going to set you on high above things. I'm going to make sure that you're provided for, that you're cared for. Listen, God is going to provide what you need, not what you want. Like, honestly. Like, 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 you have to be mindful of what you need. Like, in Florida, everybody has a truck. Now, the truck I want to get is bigger and faster than anybody else's. Is it what I need or what I want? See, I, you, you are quick to judge me. But in your own personal lives, I want you to look at what it is that you need and what it is that you want. And as parents, that's the excuse we make to tell our kids we, don't, we can't afford it. We tell them, do you really need that (laughs) kind of stuff, right? Because at the end of the day, we have to understand that obedience looks like something. And I want us to understand that because at the end of the day, no one receives this, this message from God. And there hasn't been no rain. And it's going to take every timber in the forest to build this thing. And he's never done this before. And so we can't even phantom one man, well, him and his family, building this thing because we can't wrap our heads around this type of construction. Guys, this was complex. It, it was tedious to be able to do this. Like we get a picture, we watch a movie, oh, all the animals come in, you know, everybody's happy, blah, 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 the rain comes. No, no, it, it's complicated. Like when I started to think about that and I was able to visit this place, I thought about what are they going to eat? Where are they going to poop? Like you got all these animals pooping. <laughs> I know nobody wants to think about that, but think about it. Like, like that's what I thought about. Like, like it was really complicated. The sleeping quarters, how they set up, how they live, it was all really complicated. So he took all the time to do this, and it says something to me that, that moves me. God gave him specific instructions. It wasn't vague. It wasn't like, hey, you figure it out. That's not how God works. God gives us specific instructions in his Bible, but I've learned this, that you cannot obey what you don't know. You cannot, like, even right now in this room, for the sake of, you know, the newcomers, you get a pass. But for the sake of those who've been coming around for a while, you should be carrying your Bible. You should be opening your Bible as anybody who stands before you speaks. Why? Because you need to know the truth. You need to know the person is talking the truth. Otherwise, you'll leave here saying something that isn't true <laughs> and wind up wrapping your lives around it, and then your life will not be founded on the rock, the true foundation. So you get specific instructions. Now, I, I want to put this out there because it's important for us to understand this. This doesn't happen automatically. Like, I didn't wake up one morning and suddenly was obedient. I'm still not at that place. 
So save me a seat right next to you because I'm speaking to myself as well. I, I'm not this person. Like I said, I don't walk on water. I don't have wings popping out the side of them. I don't have a halo. I don't, you know, it's, it's not. I'm, I'm a human and person just like you are. I have the privilege of standing up here because I've been through some things and done some things. But today, me, tomorrow, you. Right? So that's how I feel. But, but, but at the end of the day, these specific instructions were given to Noah. Noah received them and began to act upon them. Now, it doesn't happen automatically. I firmly believe that we have to learn how to do this. Just how we have to learn to love. Just how we have to learn to forgive. You know, we, we have to be able to do that. Because for a long time, we've gathered information that is not helpful. Like, like in therapy, yes, I'm in therapy, I'm crazy, what do you want? In therapy, you know, th there are things in my life that were normalized. There were things that were just acceptable. Right? Oh, that's just the way you are. No, that's not how I am. That's what I've gathered through life and I wrap my life around that. Like, like that's what it was. And so there are things that we've normalized that now we come into the church, we come into this place, and God says, hey, you have to love the unlovable. And you're like, nah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> you just told God no, right? God says, yeah, you got to forgive that person that did that. No, I'm not doing that either. You forgive them, right? Like, like you know, we, we start going through things. We start thinking about, okay, what does it mean? You know, can, can, I, can I finagle this a little bit? Can I just, can I forgive a little bit? So he receives this. We have to learn to be obedient. We have to learn to develop the spirit of obedience. And I want to give you some things today that are going to help you to develop that. Again, this only happens as you give yourself over to allowing God to do what he said he would do and provide for you what he says he will provide. There is this life that I live today that I did not imagine that I can have. Like, like where I grew up, you know, the, the mortality rate was if you got past 16, 17, if you made it to 21, woohoo, right? All the men in my life, I am the oldest surviving male in my family who have you know, succumbed to either violence or you know, drugs. So, so by the grace of God, I've been able to survive now this whole thing. And now I'm thriving. So I'm not just surviving. I'm thriving because of the word of God in my life. I'm living a life. Like I tell the little kid at home, I say, you're living your best life, puppy. You really are. You don't got to worry about nobody. Somebody's still wiping your butt. They run your bath for you. They feed you. And he's like, what are you talking about? I said, you're living your So now he says that. I asked him how he's doing. You know what he tells me? Living my best life. Four years old. Living my best life. So with that said, I want us to understand that as we become obedient, it has to be obedience to every decision we make, the lifestyle we live. Being obedient it's important for us to understand every single aspect. And guys, just so you know, we're in this room and everything we do is meant to construct your soul. Through worship and singing, through the words that you hear, through the announcement, through the offering, that is a lifestyle that's going to help you to understand how it is that I live in Christ. Right? Like you can't say that, that and, and I, you know, I often, you know, in recovery as I, you know, interact with people, you know, I, you know, I asked them, you know, are you making meetings? And they say, nope. I said, do you have a sponsor? I said, nope. 
I said, you do any step work? And they say, nope. I said, you're not in recovery. I asked you the same question. Are you a Christian? And everybody will say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Are you reading your Bible? Nope. Are you praying? Nope. Are you making it to church regularly? Nope. Are you serving in any capacity? Nope. Ah, oh, it's, it's a little iffy if you're a Christian. Like, honestly. And, and so I, I want to make sure that you understand that. And it goes for everything, right? If I ask you, you know, you got children. I said, are you a father? I said, what do you mean? You got children. I must be a father. No. You got children, but you're not a father. If you're not taking care of them, you're not being responsible and teaching them and loving on them and being present for them. So when I ask these questions and people tell me what they are and then I ask these questions, they walk away sad because they realize, oh my God, I'm not really fulfilling that role that God has given me to fulfill. Hence why the word dysfunctional comes around. And I grew up in a dysfunctional home. And that in itself caused me a great deal of mind stuff. Um, but I'm better today. I'm not twitching anymore. Should I? Okay, so keep it in mind. Uh, the the uh, sermon map you have in the very back, I think it is. We got some things to fill in, some scriptures to look at. And, and I just want to encourage you guys. This is a journey. If you're committed to it, you will grow in these areas in your life that you need to grow. We need to grow in love. We need to grow in forgiveness. We need to grow in obedience to God's word because we have to understand that it's not just hearing what he says, it's doing it. And, and for everybody who's in this room who has struggled with authority, has struggled with obeying, you know, it's not about them. It's about you being right with God. Let God take care of everything else. You be obedient on your side of the street. You do what you're supposed to be doing according to God's word and let him take care of everything else. Amen. So how do we become obedient? The first thing we want to do is we want to learn to trust him. We want to learn to trust who is him, capital H, that's God. We got to learn to trust God. In his word, it says this, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Now, now notice there's a three-letter word there that appears twice. I'm a word guy. The word is all. I'm going to give you a secret. You know what the word all means? All. <laughs> not in some. It doesn't say trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It doesn't say trust in the Lord with some of your heart. Right? It says all. Because a divided heart, you begin to serve two masters. And you're going to love one and hate the other. My kids try to play that very early on in my home. I would tell them something, they would go to mom. Mom would tell them something, they would come to me. And we never communicated with each other, so I would like break the cardinal rule and go against what she said, and I wound up in the doghouse on several occasions. Okay? So, so I, you have to understand that, that first there has to be agreement, and one is you have to understand that you have to trust him with all your heart. Not lean on what you think you know. You think you're smarter than God? No. I don't think I am now, but I thought I was before. <laughs> like, honestly, at 14, 15 years old, I thought I was smarter than my parents. Like, they didn't know. You don't know nothing about drugs. You don't know nothing about the streets. My dad is looking at me, you know, he used Spanish words that I don't want to use. But, but, but he would just remind me of, you know, he has my age in one arm or something like that, right? <laughs> right? So, so understanding, guys, that I hear you, 
You have issues with obedience. You have issues with authority. And it's so important that you understand that in order for us to grow in obedience, we have to learn to trust him. And in trusting him, you have to settle something. You got to settle this issue for yourself. Right? It's important. Is he sovereign? Is he above all things? Does he know everything? Right? In your mind, you have to settle this because if you don't settle it, then you won't be able to trust him. You won't be able to trust him. My, my little girl, um, I used to take her to the pool a lot and, and stand her at the edge of the concrete pool and then tell her to jump into my arms. And she would take off and just jump. And I would tell her, I would go a little further and I would tell her, to, you know, to jump. The further I got one day, I didn't even tell her. She just jumped. She trusted me. She knew I was going to catch her. She knew I was going to let nothing happen to her. And you have to understand that God is calling you to jump. And some of you are like, it's too cold. <laughs> I don't know how to swim. We do that in life, don't we? Like, there's the concern that we have about stepping out in faith and walking in obedience and allowing the Spirit of God to lead our lives. So we have to settle these things. Is he sovereign? Is he trustworthy? Can I trust him? Of course. Check his track record. Read his word. There hasn't been one moment in which he hasn't showed up. But he, his time was perfect. So, so it's important to settle this. What about this? We have to, you know, settle in our hearts. Does he keep his promises? Absolutely. He has promised not to abandon or forsake you. He has promised to be there to provide for you. He has promised to protect you, to be your healer, to be your helper, to be your protection. Like he has promised to do that. And let me tell you something. He's not a promise. Like, like he doesn't break promises. Not like man does. He's a promise keeper. Like he does these things. He promises to be with you. What? If you obey, if you walk in obedience, you're going to see him show up for you. The next thing is, is he the same God? The Bible I'm reading in Genesis, the way he was there with Adam, the way he was there with Noah, the way he was there with Abraham, the way he was there with Isaac and Jacob and all these men in the Bible, is he going to be there for me? Well, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. And the way he loved those figures, those people who made the hall of faith, he loves me too. He loves you. He doesn't love me more than he loves you. There's no favoritism with God. But he does bless obedience. He loves the sinner. He doesn't want that none should perish. He doesn't want you to continue to, to live a life that's separated from him because, guys, that's what sin is. Now, we could label it murder, all this stuff, and go through the top, you know, 20, whatever it is. But ultimately, what leads people to do that is living a life apart from God, not realizing what he says about our relationships with one another, with him and with ourselves. Like, there was a period in my life I didn't love myself. And if I can't love myself, how am I going to love you? How am I going to be able to love you if I, don't, I can't love myself? So, so it's important for us to understand we got to settle these things. Is he faithful? Absolutely. There hasn't been a time in my life in the last 30 years and even before that when I look at the incidents in my life and the movement of my life where God showed up, where, where you know, the, the, the gun didn't go off, you know, the, the police didn't show up, the, the, the knife broke, you know, the, the fall was broken, walked away from that accident. 
you know, and constantly in my arrogance, it was like, it's not my time. Not my time. Right? Like, that's what we do, you know, in the sense, right? We, we feel like we're Teflon and like nothing can touch us. But in reality, what God was doing was he was being faithful to the calling that he was placing upon my life. There was something he wanted me to do. There was somewhere he wanted me to go. There were people he wanted me to affect. Listen to me. I work with men a lot. That is the heart that God has given me, to minister to men. And, and one thing that I've learned, and, and as God impressed this on my heart, that if I reach the man, it changes the family. That's what God has impressed upon my heart. So I go hard. I'm not excluding anybody here, but God has given me a heart for that. And, and so I go after it. And, 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 and guys, you know, there are men in this room that I've loved and I've ministered to. And if you're in this room and, and you want to connect, please see me after service. Because it's so important for us to understand, guys, because we're all males. But we're not all men. And, and if you're not sure, ask the women in your life. They'll tell you. Because every now and then I ask my wife how I'm doing and she'll break out the list. Let me see. She, she's, she's an amazing woman. She's my, my better 99.9%. She makes me look good on every single day. So I'm good for that. So can I rely on God? So again, trusting God is a big deal. The next thing we want to be able to do is we have to learn to wait. Wait. Wait upon the Lord for you people who rush in all the time. For those who are impulsive in this room, what has it cost you? Haste makes waste. Right? You, you got to do your due diligence. You just met him. How could you be in love? <laughs> or vice versa. <laughs> right? Like, like really? You know, this is not, you know, you're not 14. You know, it's not this infatuation where, oh my God, I can't, I can't breathe. I can't. Right, listen to me. Waiting on the Lord, it, it's significant for us to understand. It takes courage. It, it takes courage to, like waiting is necessary because God does things in his timing. If you, again, reading the Bible, there's a story about this young man named Joseph who God gives him a dream. And God gives him this dream about, you know, uh, you know, wheat bowing down and this happening. And, and it's, every, you know, so his father says, oh, what do you think that we're all going to bow down to you? <laughs> they laugh at him. His brothers conspire to, to kill him. And as time goes on, that young man becomes second in charge in the empire of Egypt to save his people because there was a famine that was coming. Anybody know what famine is? I'll tell you what a famine is in my house. When there's no food in the refrigerator. That's a famine. It's the Hunger Games for sure. So, so, so you know, there's a famine that's coming. There's no food. There's a drought. There's no crop being. And, and God gives Joseph a dream to store up you know, wheat for seven years that there's plenty because there's going to be seven years going to be bad. And guess what happens? His father and his brothers bow down to him. God gave him a dream. It didn't happen right away. It took years before it came to pass. And I know that we live in a microwave society. 
right? TV dinners and Hot Pockets, right? We, we want it quickly. But guys, what matters doesn't happen quickly. I've taken up landscaping and I have a newfound respect for landscapers. I'm retired, so I gotta find things to do, okay? So don't judge me, all right? So now I got this green thumb, okay? Now, it's not really green because I, I think I've killed more plants than, I've, than I planted. And, and so I'm learning that certain things take a little time to grow. Like, like we planted tomatoes. Not we, my son decided we need tomatoes. <laughs> Said, all right, we planted tomatoes. And every day he's going out there. Dad, they're not growing. <laughs> Come back the next day. I said, yo, just leave it alone. It's going to grow. Dad, it's not growing. It's not growing. Time goes by. He stops going there. Then all of a sudden he goes there one day and says, Dad, we got tomatoes. <laughs> You're not too bright, buddy, are you? Think about it. It's God's timing. Not when we want to, but God's timing. Listen, if there's a need you have that you've taken to God in prayer, walk in obedience and wait on him. It says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall straighten your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Why? Because waiting is necessary to overcome the fear of missing out. People settle in life for a counterfeit of what's real. I'm getting older. You know, my biological clock is ticking. Hi, you know, God, when is this going to happen? I said, listen to me, let God settle that issue for you. Let God take care of that need. And commit yourself to God. Commit your life to God and let him take care of that. Amen? Amen. Next thing is you have to learn to... That's one of my students on Monday. She thinks she's in class. Okay, learn to meditate on his word. Meditate. What is meditating? All right, listen, it's not popping a CBD and then watching the lights go on. That's not what it is. Okay? It's literally, it says, keeping my mind on the things of God. I read something and I think about it long and hard. And I allow it now to order my life. Right? Like this whole idea of waiting on the Lord, Isaiah writes about it. He says, you will keep him in perfect peace. You, you know what happens when we, don't, when we don't meditate and we don't have something to hold on to? We get anxious. We get anxious. Like, you know what anxiety is? Is you worrying about something that hasn't even happened. And, and, and society is plagued with anxiety because they're so concerned about the future that they miss out in living today. And God says that we shouldn't be anxious for nothing. For nothing but that we should take our cares to him in prayer and supplication. So if I have a concern, I want to take it to God in prayer, and then I want to trust him that he's going to take care of me. And enlighten me and show me by his spirit how I should live, how I should walk, how I should move. And then there's peace that comes. Listen to me. The peace that God gives us, first we have to have peace with him. What does that mean? It means that the Bible says that if you're a sinner, you are enemy of God. 
So someone had to come to reconcile that, to make up that space that was created by sin. And Jesus comes and does that. So at that moment, when you accept Christ, when you allow him into your life and into your heart, because you realize that you sinned against him and him only, and there's this sorrow that comes over you and you give your life over to him, there is a peace with God that you have now. You're no longer his enemy. You now become his child. And then he gives you the peace from God, which is, I got this. And God is telling you, I got this. So be at peace. Have the assurance that first I'm faithful. I'm trustworthy. I've never failed you and I never will. I'll show up on time. And I'll be there. So, so again, meditating on his word is not just, again, uh, la, la, you know, that's not what it is. It's not Woodstock. You know, that's not what we're doing. Okay? So just keeping that in mind, we have to meditate on his word. It's important. The ways of the will of God are found in the scriptures. We have to be able to get into it. And, of course, these things conflict with human reason because we're impulsive. We have to constantly be doing something. Anybody here like that? Anybody constantly moving furniture? And that's, that's the big deal, right? I got to rearrange my studio. <laughs> right? No, no. So, so just, again, it's, it's just being mindful that these things conflict with human reasoning. It, we're committed to showing, he's committed to showing us his will if we read. And again, I'm, I'm going back to the fact that we can consider, we can acknowledge, but if we don't do, then it doesn't help us in our, in our walk. Right? Like, like, no matter what I tell my son, I've concluded that he's acknowledging me, but he's not doing it. And, and it's a constant thing with chores. One of my favorite was throwing out the garbage. I said, Pop, take out the garbage. I got this. <laughs> Pop the garbage in, starting to smell. Take out the garbage can, open the door to his room, put it in there, close the door. He comes back from work. Opens the door. Oh, man, what is that? I said, that's the garbage you've been saying you're going to take out. He said, Dad, how could you do that? You've been saying, uh-huh. You've been saying, I got this, but you never do it. And things that you don't listen, things that you don't take care of, eventually wind up stinking up your life. Guys, I don't want that for you. We, we don't want that. God doesn't want that for you. So it's important for us to meditate. Number, next one. Now you can say, learn to listen. Ah, there we go. Learn to listen. Learn to listen to what though? It's the quiet promptings of the Holy Spirit. Now this is a, a, a term that you may not be familiar with, but we believe in a triune God here. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We speak a lot about God the Father and God the Son, but somehow the Holy Spirit, as we leave him to the side, you have to understand it's the most significant thing in our lives because when Jesus left, he gave us this promise that will indwell us and seal us. For those who are in Christ, when you die, you have eternal life. That means that that which was given, your soul doesn't rest. It's not here that we stay, we go to be before him. Like physically, your body is placed wherever it's placed, but your soul, that which the enemy wants, goes to be with the Lord. That's what eternal life looks like. We live on. Everybody here is going to live in eternity somewhere. 
somewhere. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And, and, and again, not all roads lead to heaven. And you can't piggyback your parents because they took you to church every Sunday. It's a personal decision that each and every one of you have to make to understand first and foremost that I am a sinner in need of a savior. And what I mean by that again, guys, being a sinner is simply this. You've been the master of your ship. You have led your life. You are, it's all about you, right? You do what you want, when you want, how you want it, and it happened. So here we are again, just again, being, being mindful of the fact that I want to listen to how the Spirit of God is leading me. It was leading me. I recently retired after 29 years of working, teaching high school. The greatest time of my life because I didn't consider it work, I considered it ministry. Everybody knew I was a pastor. When someone needed prayer, they would come to my room, they needed advice. From principal all the way down to security guards and custodians, they knew who I was. Um, because that's what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to be undercover Christians. All right? We're not supposed to be Christians on Sundays and inks on, you know, what is it? Saints on Sunday and inks on Monday, right? That's not what I want to be. So, so, so what, what began to happen with me is I needed to leave. Like I needed to get out before 30. I got out at 29 and people are staying, telling me, stay to your 30, stay to your 30. But there was a prompting by the Holy Spirit that I just needed to leave. I needed to, to go down south because my, my greatest desire was to, to be with my mom for whatever time she had left. Now, granted, there was nothing wrong with my mom. Absolutely nothing wrong that I knew about. Right? So I went down there and just loved on her. Um, you know, you love your parents when you sit there and watch novelas for forever. <laughs> like, literally, I watched a novella that, that has 78 episodes. 78 episodes. And by the way, I got hooked. Loved it. <laughs> Gave us something to talk about and all that stuff. Um, the other thing was Jerry Springer. Like, Mom, how can you watch this, Mom? You know? And uh, she would just laugh and say, oh, these people are so stupid. I said, Ma, you're watching it, Ma. So <laughs> what are you doing? Here? But I knew I had to go down south. And uh, didn't stay to 30. Um, had a conversation with my team here and the pastor here. And I said, you know, I, I, I got to really get down south and stuff like that. And um, long story short, um, it turned out that, that my mom had this thing growing in her head that nobody knew anything about. And uh, she just passed away recently. Um, I'm not gonna say I'm a mama's boy. Nah, I'll say it. Um, but um, it, was, it, was, it, it still is the hardest uh, thing to do. But if I would've waited to 30, I would've missed out the novelas. I would have messed out our, you know, driving down. She used to love me driving down with the ragtop wall playing Mark Anthony. We were just, you know, just driving. She was like, go faster, Bobby, go faster. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And uh, I would have missed out on all that stuff. I would have missed out on that stuff. And uh, the promptings of the Holy Spirit, we have to be able to listen to them. Like when God tells you, don't go there, don't do that. Shut up, don't say that. 
Be kind. Be gentle. Ah, but you know, they don't deserve it. You don't deserve it either. But God, through his mercy and his grace, he shows this to you every single day. You know what we all deserve? We all deserve hell. But we don't get hell. Some of you are saying, oh, I'm in hell right now. No, you're not, Bobby. You're not. It gets worse eternally. This is just a struggle we go through. But if you lean into Christ and trust Christ, he will take care of you. He will. So you have to understand that that's important, listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. How many of us like to hear the truth? How many of us speak the truth? How many of us speak the truth in love? It's a big difference. We're learning. Put your hand down, Rosalind. We're, we're learning. We're learning, right? Because truth without love is just abuse, isn't it? Like you ever tell people, I want to give you a piece of my mind? Like I don't know how many pieces you have left. Seriously. So you have to be mindful of that as we move through life, right? Just being able to understand the Holy Spirit is leading us and guiding us. And what should I say? When should I say it? I believe in the economy of works. I believe if you've got nothing nice to say, don't say it. Don't say it. Right? Don't, don't share your ugliness with us. Right? Like, like you have to understand that at the end of the day, words of affirmation are so important. In fact, it's part of love languages. When was the last time you encouraged someone? When was the last time you stood by someone and realized, you can do this? When was the last time you held someone up when they were down? Like, think about these things, because here's what it is. You want that, but you won't give it. And then you wonder, oh, people didn't show up for me. Oh, people didn't do this, and people didn't do that. Nah. Let's get out of here really quick. Last two. Number five, I guess. Learn to trust him and leave all the consequences to him. Simple. I'm going to trust God is going to take care of it, and I'm not going to try to make moves to make it happen. I'm just going to leave it away. Right? I'm going to leave it to God. A lot of us pray for something, we bring it to God, and then we pick it up again. And we go about trying to solve this and do this and do that. And listen, I'm done trying to do that. I mess things up because my way is not God's way. And I can't see into the future, but he can. So I have to be mindful to understand, okay, God, whatever it is you want me to do, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to trust that you're going to take care of it. Because he's trustworthy, he's faithful, and he keeps his promises. Like, like I got to a point where, you know, uh, my kids leave the house and I would worry about them. And I'm like, no, nah, I can't do this. I can't do that. My kids were staying out sometime at three in the morning. And I would pray, you know, the prayer, you know, God, please keep them. If they sin tonight, please don't let anything happen. To them. Like, like just going through that as a parent. And got to a point, I'm saying, wait a minute. Am I going to believe that God is going to keep them and protect them? Or am I going to worry myself to death? Because staying up at 3 in the morning, have to go to work at 5 in the morning, is not good. Right? So it got to a point where I just released them to God. And guess what? They don't stay out that late anymore. <laughs> the minute I let go, it's like, oh, I said, what are you doing here? Said, it's only 12 o'clock. Oh, I'm good, Dad. Oh, that's cool. 11 o'clock. Oh, I'm not going out today. I said, oh, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> right? Okay. So, and then finally, this is a big one. I want to get through it. I got a couple of minutes left. Accept God's discipline with thanksgiving. I know. I know. You see, I had a conversation the minute I thought about this. Anybody grew up in a household where you got a beating and they would tell you it's for your own good? 
right? Or even worse, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. <laughs> really? How does that translate? So when we talk about the discipline, it says those who disregard discipline despise themselves, but the one who heeds correction gains understanding. Like I remember breaking curfew and catching a beating for it. Guess what? I never broke curfew again. I was corrected. Right? And a lot of times what happens in, 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 in being disciplined by God is that uh, we, we, we equate it with our earthly discipline. And a lot of times it could just be God now allowing you to have that which you're praying for. Right? Not allowing you to get involved in that which you so desperately think that you need. Right? It's removing those obstacles from your life. Right? Because you're on a path that's taking you further away from him. And that's not what he has for you. So I've learned to accept the good, the bad, with the same attitude. God, if you're allowing this to happen in my life, and there's a reason for it. And I don't see it right now. I don't feel it right now. But I got to believe that there's a reason for it. Because you wouldn't let anything come into my life that you're not going to use to correct me. To show me your love. To show me your mercy. To show me your grace. And it's so important for us to understand that because we don't want to accept that. We don't want to accept God's correction. We, we become really, 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 you know, spoiled children in the sense and, and, and scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, we have forgotten that the scriptures say to God's children, when the Lord corrects us, don't make light of it. And when he corrects you, don't be discouraged. The Lord, listen to this, the Lord corrects the people he loves and disciplines those he calls his own. It's important for us to understand that walking in obedience it's a journey. We got to get better at it every single day. But I've learned this. If you don't know what God is saying, you're never going to know what to be obedient to. So it's going to require you to open your Bible and to be in community and environment with people who are studying his word so that you can understand what he's saying about how you should live. There's so much for us to discuss. There's so much conversations that we can have about what that looks like. But ultimately, the source is the scriptures and what they tell us.